0: This is channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candace Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candace. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed
1: electorate. In in the the city city of Destiny. destiny. Citizen Tacoma. My heart.
0: Candace? <laughs> I feel like my voice gets higher and higher every <laughs> time I say that. <laughs> Candace, ah! Hi, Candace. <sighs> hi. Today, we talked with TPU director Jackie Flowers, whose name sounds like a superhero. Yeah. It, and a lot of subjects were breached, and we got something for you, click people. <laughs> <laughs> always. I'm always here for you, click people. Uh, <laughs> Tune in. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. I'm here today with the relatively new director of Tacoma Public Utilities, Miss Jackie Flowers. Hi, Jackie. Hi,
1: how are you doing? I'm good. How are great. you? Oh, great. It's fantastic to see all the flowers and the beautiful spring weather. Yeah. Loving it.
0: So. Yes, absolutely. It's balmy.
1: it is. Everybody keeps telling me that this weather is not normal. I I can't tell you how many times I hear this is not normal. And I keep waiting for the rain and we've not had a lot of rain since I moved here in the beginning of August. So yeah, really, maybe this is not normal, but it's been nice. Yeah, you moved here from Idaho. I did.
0: Uh, So I have a well, when I moved here three years ago, I came in April and it was like a three-day stretch in April when it was 85 degrees wow. every day and it yeah. was sunny and everyone was like, "You know, this isn't like this, <laughs> right? We right. hope you move here, but this is not how it is." When
1: I was here in May for the interview, it was gorgeous and everybody's oh, yeah. like, "Oh yeah, it's like this all the time, but don't tell anybody." And then, <laughs> and then I moved here and then it was nice and they kept saying it's not like this. And I said, <laughs> like, so "Wait, not really. that's not
0: what you said. Get your sun lamp.
1: <laughs> don't yeah. throw it away." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So but it, you know we don't have the cold Idaho wind and the brutal snow and the below zero temperatures so right. although we did have a fair amount of snow and some of the staff wanted to blame me for that they said <laughs> you know we didn't usually get this much snow but Where so in Idaho you did came. you live? Um Idaho Falls so I was in the southeast corner close to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park so cool. the outdoors I love all that and seeing Mount Rainier. It's amazing.
0: Good. Yeah. So yeah, what is it? What's what is the weather like there right now? Sorry to go on about the weather, but oh, I'm no. very curious. Yes, <laughs> it's
1: okay. It's actually, um, I, interestingly <laughs> enough, I was back there this weekend to celebrate with some friends and it was, it was about the same. Oh, um, yeah, so disappointing. This,
0: I want it to be like 20 yeah, degrees. <laughs> it had
1: been snowing before that over the holidays. It was like 20 below. Uh. And so I was, I was pretty much pleased with my decision at that point right <laughs> <laughs> among other times it's not just that but, but it, it was it i mean at christmas here when my kids came home from college we were walking in point defiance park without mm. coats on you know everybody else is bundled up but it was gorgeous out yeah. so yeah Fantastic.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, good. Uh, so tell us about your background and what brought you to Tacoma.
1: Sure. So I'm actually an engineer by training, civil engineer. Um, I joke with folks that I've I'm a recovered civil engineer because I don't actually do engineering and I haven't uh, for about nineteen of my 26 years, I've managed public utilities. Mm-hmm. So I've managed water utilities, wastewater, solid waste recycling, electric and fiber optic. Um, So I have a pretty diverse background. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. Rail, this is my first um, experience with rail and particularly as a publicly owned utility. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty unique um, asset that we have. And, you know, so really for me, it was a transition um, building off of the strengths that I had. I've always, uh, for those 19 years, I've always worked for mayors and city councils. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of used to being in the fishbowl, as I would say, Um, used to dealing with policymakers and elected officials. And really for me, one of the values of public utilities is it's owned by the people, Mm -hmm. right? And so you reflect your values, your community values in your programs and services you should be using your assets of your utility to further the community's interests and the community's long-range plans and visions and strategic plans. And so I was really excited to take a look at Tacoma's Vision 2025 and think about how that could overlay with TPU, you know, when I was going through the interview process, which was a very public process. So yes. Even for somebody who's in the fishbowl, I was thinking, wow, this is pretty intense.
0: Right, because they kind of like pared it down. There was there
1: were you and there were two others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and- we joked, in fact, the last day of the interviews when um, – We did the interviews in front of the city council and Mm -hmm. board. Um, The mayor, I was the first to go in, and she said... You know, I'll introduce the first contestant. She said, not contestant, I'm mean a candidate. And she said, it's almost like a reality TV series. And I was thinking, yeah, it's like Survivor. Um, what most people don't realize is my luggage actually wasn't here the first day because I had come from, I was with my daughter and her. she's on a competitive cheer team in Florida. So I had been with her for five days. So I had a lot of luggage and then I flew here for the interviews. And my luggage was stuck in Florida, and they were picking me up. I flew in at like 11.30 at night, that oh, Sunday night. They were picking me up at 8 o'clock that Monday morning. So I had a taxi pick me up at <laughs> 6 a.m., went to Walmart, did a fast shop, you know, toiletries, everything. Got back to my room, got showered, and, you know, hit the ground running, so to speak, in clothes that was not at all what I would have envisioned at That's my interview. Amazing. So so it's kind of funny because she said— um, it's like Survivor. And when I was telling my daughter, she goes, no, Mom, you didn't have luggage. It was more like Naked and Afraid. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, gosh, this is such a crazy story. <laughs> That's super funny. That's like a very Tacoma story. You but, obviously belong here. <laughs> right. You just roll with it. I mean, what else are you going to do, right?
0: So. <laughs> you know, love it. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so I really like what you said about um, that this is. You know, it's a public utility. Mm-hmm. You're kind of serving at the pleasure of a mayor and city council and right. the city's interests, values, morals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of our listeners will feel that that's a, fresh, a breath of fresh air, um, for sure, from previous leadership at TPU. So, I guess one year in... Eight are, months. Eight months, I'm sorry. Yes, sorry. Eight months, <laughs> August
1: 1st. In, that's right. Yes. No, sorry. You're good. <laughs> it, it feels like I've been here a couple of years, but right. it's only been eight months. It's been a... a a deep eight
0: months. It has. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you learned? What are your
1: observations? So, you know, I, I when I ended the interview, Mayor asked me what I would do first if I got the job. And I told her I would listen. You know, I'm not from Washington. I'm not from Tacoma. I didn't arrive with a preconceived set of ideas of what I was going to do for Tacoma. Instead, what I wanted to know is what Tacoma values and what our customers want to see. And so I spent, I went on a listening tour. I spent the first hundred days meeting with a variety of um, you know, individuals, businesses, stakeholders, interest groups, uh, tribes—just just a whole broad range of folks. And you know, met with multiple people in a day. Sometimes it would be like six meetings in a day. And by the end of the day, I was just like, my brain was oversaturated. But um, it was such an amazing experience. And you know, my takeaway there: um, when you when people think about Tacoma Public Utilities hands down, the resource that is most valued and most appreciated is the employees. Mm. And I would hear time and time again, no matter what their perspective was, the people that work there are amazing. They're very innovative. They're very intelligent, talented, committed. I mean, just on and on and on. And that has been completely consistent with my experience. The team has been amazing. Really, um, you know, when, when you think about Quite, there, quite a bit had happened in that last year mm-hmm. to eighteen months. The staff had been through a lot, and mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like when I arrived, um, and if there was going to be, you know, maybe division internal for people that wanted to have the old regime versus the new. Everybody's been all hands on deck. Let's let's go. We're ready for change. Right, that's great. So that's been really rewarding and um, and fantastic. I mean, just the resources are amazing. Yeah. So then with that, I also spent a fair amount of time understanding, you know, what people would like to see us do more of, what we could do different, better, enhance. Um, and really, I walked away with what I call, you know, four predominant strategic areas of focus that we're going to look at. They they align nicely with Vision 2025. So we are fully engaged in Vision 2025 it's now.
0: Tacoma's plan they're for... Long range kind of plan. Long range plan, Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. of
1: course, they're kind of in the last approaching the last five years of the plan but we still have things that we can engage with and mm-hmm. the board's been very supportive of that as well um, so it is my first time working with the board but okay um, you know I mentioned before I've often work with mayor and councils um, and so you know I joke with people I have 14 bosses but, <laughs> but really they're they're pretty much aligned with what they want to see in general so mm-hmm. That disconnect hasn't been hasn't been there from my perspective, but in terms of areas of focus, um, we're looking closely at equitable access, making sure both internal and external that our programs, our services, our practices are really promoting equity, inclusiveness, and diversity. And so that's a, a big. Doug just fist pumped. <laughs> so yeah, and I think um, we we will have a series of efforts internal, and then of course. Um, we're working hard. One of the things that we did that were probably one of my most proud moments. I arrived just in time to get on the budget and rates tour with the staff, yeah. and I think we did like forty-eight or forty-nine meetings as part of that process. Um, the staff had transcreated the budget sheet or the rate sheet into seven different languages to make wow. available to our community.
0: Um, was that the first time that had happened? Uh-huh. That's it incredible. was,
1: and I one of the meetings I went to was the Korean women's club. And other than the few of us that were presenting and the translator, you know, they were speaking Korean and she was translating for us. We handed out the sheet in Korean and the the way people's eyes lit up. And that was that really struck me because, you know, here we are. They get a bill from us every month. Mm-hmm. They don't know what we're saying. They're probably, you know, working hard with a minimal discretionary income to try to maximize um, how they can spend their money. And we show up to talk about. Rates And they can't understand us. So we can we can do better. And we are. And so that's kind of the types of things that we're focusing on in that space. Cool. Um, Then we're going to be a strong player with economic development, partnering with the city, the regional organizations, economic development board, um, a number of regional organizations and the franchise cities that we serve. Our resources that we have at TPU, they're great resources to really make us a strategic partner in economic development. Mm. So as the community thinks about what they want to see for growth, we're going to have a strong position in that. And that would be both what I would call traditional economic development, um, redevelopment. There's so much redevelopment Mm. going on downtown. So we want to make sure our policies are friendly to redevelopment. Give me an example of Um, that. So, you know, a lot of the policies... In place in a utility, we just celebrate 125 years, right? So you think about how much a, a community changes over a period of time. Um, things like undergrounding, right. right, right, and more so in distribution lines. We can't really do that for transmission or relocation of power lines. Oh as man, you, you, you just gave areas. me like a little
0: nerdy tingle when you said undergrounding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, really, to think about when the when the community has identified uh, an important development area. UWT, a great example. The Brewery District, right. a great example. We want to make sure that our policies make sense for that change in land use and the vision of the growth and development. With you know within the rules and regulations that we have to follow and the laws, um, but there's things that we can do right. to, to be a little bit more um, more of a partner,
0: right? Right, and not a barrier. not put up roadblock, yeah. roadblocks. Right. And
1: then um, the other element to economic development is workforce, and of course. You know, with with a utility rich environment, you've got a lot of STEM jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, your engineering, science, finance, etc. Finance isn't really STEM, but it's math. Um, We want to also focus on the trades. Uh, We've got a lot of really great jobs that don't require a bachelor's degree, and for us to be able to articulate to our communities. And the diverse workforce that we have that if you don't want to go get a bachelor's degree, you can have a great career right here in Tacoma and show them kind of connect the dots, make help them see what that looks like and what those opportunities are Mm -hmm. and really be more strategic about promoting our trades in right. particular with our workforce so this
0: aligns so well with my day job which is I'm Linda Nguyen's communications oh, director at Workforce oh my Central <laughs> I love Linda yes <laughs> Linda's awesome and Tamar
1: he's amazing yes yes yeah. Tamar came from you guys yes yeah. he did he did he's the one that got away yeah I know that's, that's what, what everyone I tell him says. all the time <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so he funny. it's kind of funny because after he left we we had a meeting and I was sharing with him what my hopes were in terms of what we could accomplish with this. And he pulls out a slideshow and it was, I mean, just like exactly on point with everything that I was thinking about. And I just looked at him and I said, you got away, but I'm gonna work with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So more to come on that front. Um, Environmental stewardship is another Mm -hmm. strong strategic area of focus. Not only because we've got some legacy commitments at our facilities that we want to make sure that we're meeting those commitments, delivering on those, you know, keeping our promises to our partners and our stakeholders and the tribes in particular. Um, But also we've got we've got amazing resource. I mean, we are a clean energy utility. Right.
0: Explain what that means. Yeah.
1: So. Our portfolio is predominantly hydro, hands down. We have a little bit of solar. We get a little bit of um, nuclear energy out of Columbia Generating Station in Richland, which is part of the Bonneville Power Administration Mm -hmm. suite of services. And they've got the Columbia River um, hydropower facilities. When you think about what we- So no coal. No coal, (laughs) no natural gas. Okay. Um, I guess wind, there's a little bit of wind in the Bonneville portfolio as well. We have surplus power from compared to what we use, and so we actually market that surplus power um, in the wholesale market in the region to help um, basically provide a revenue offset, you know, for the rates. So if we can market power in the region, then we can get more revenues that will help us lower the rates. Because mm-hmm. remember, we're a public entity, not for profit. So any revenues that we get from other sources besides our retail customers helps to offset the pressure on right. those rates. So um, we with what we export, we're about 140% clean energy oh. in Tacoma. Wow. Um, so we like to say that we're helping to clean up the region. Right. Because we're, we're outsourcing or um, offsetting carbon in other areas, mm-hmm. which is really what makes electric vehicles such a natural f- fit for us. We've got you know clean energy. We've got abundant clean energy we can actually help be a driver, so to speak, in the <laughs> tran- in the uh, decarbonization, deep decarbonization of the transportation networks. And so we're we're really excited about that. And me in particular. I was thrilled to come here and see that TPU was totally engaged in that space. Right.
0: So you are like making perfect segues into all the questions I have.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> see, what, which just goes to show the 100 days of listening work. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, this it's kind true. of funny because as I would have meetings and I would start to um, kind of line these up into different swim lanes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, yeah, you know, it, it's it's hitting the mark, and mm-hmm. so it was it was good validation. And um, the the final one I just want to hit on before I share with you how we connected that to Vision Twenty Twenty Five is resiliency. And um, it, so people often get. overuse resiliency. And they're like, what does that exactly mean, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that there's going to be times where we have an outage or, you know, water main break. Mm -hmm. We can't 100% prevent that. But what we can do is make sure that when that happens, that we are at our top of our game for response. Mm -hmm. And so we will see a series of investments, um, both in our outage and leak detection and response but also in what I'm going to call our digital transformation. And I know we'll want to come nah, back, nah. back to that as well. Um, and also included that is safety of our employees. And mm-hmm. so we have really launched this year a very aggressive safety program and, and commitment to enhance our safety culture uh, because without that number one resource, we're really nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's very critical. So for us, the resiliency piece is really going to be both about in how we respond to those incidents and how quickly we can get things restored. And more importantly, how we invest in our system to enhance our response or minimize our our impacts. Right. So more to come on that. So when I get done with my hundred days of listening, I sat down with, Um, City of Tacoma staff and said, let's talk about what what I'm hearing, what I'm thinking the themes are, and how those fit into Vision 2025. Mm -hmm. And it just was like hand in glove. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, you hit all of them. (laughs) Equity, economic development, environment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I said to them, that validates their process also, because it has been a while since they did the community conversation on the Vision 2025. But it's still what people are thinking about Mm -hmm. and still what's important to them. So, uh, great time to land here and be able to be part of delivering on that vision.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it feels like you've been here for a year. Uh, right? You have it all down. You know, know what Tacoma's you, all about. You
1: have to remember. I, it's hard for me to remember even. It's like yeah, I've only been here eight months. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. So, uh, one of the things you mentioned that you had prior experience with was um, being in a city where there was a municipal fiber optic network. Right. But it was different than clicks in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of compare and contrast the two?
1: Sure. So there were some similarities. Um, You know, both were publicly owned networks Mm -hmm. and um, both were pursued with the initial intent of supporting the utility's needs. Mm -hmm. So um, in Idaho Falls, you know, it was, we are going to build a SCADA network so we can remotely control our assets. We're going to, you know, have this fiber network that's going to be very robust so that if we have a, a system that goes down, you know, it's kind of a self-healing ringed network, mm-hmm. um, and we overbuilt some capacity there so that we could um, market that surplus capacity on the fiber network and provide a service. Now in Idaho Falls, it was commercial centric in terms of the services that we provided. We did connect to the schools and to the business community, but there was no residential connection. Right. Um, so that's. One of the pieces that's definitely very different, it was also dark fiber. So we did not provide a lit service like we do in Tacoma. So no content. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it truly was just kind of the pipeline. Right. You know, we had the infrastructure. Of course, we had um, some fibers for ourselves that were used for the utility network. And then we would lease pairs to private providers Um and then ultimately they would connect service. We also had um, large businesses that had multiple locations in town that would lease a pair of fibers, and they would connect their buildings. Um, The Idaho National Lab has a huge presence in Uh Idaho Falls, so that's a for example. So that's a little different than Tacoma because we haven't had as strong of a commercial focus. There has been um, through the MSAs, Master Service Agreements, there are some larger commercial-type connections, but Um, When I spoke with, I knew both Steve Klein and Mark Crisson and, of course, Bill Gaines, so I knew all three of those gentlemen. I had uh, conversations with Steve Klein and Mark Crisson as we were kind of, they were welcoming me to the community Mm -hmm. and we were reflecting on kind of the initial pursuit of Click. And the story was, you know, something to the effect of they were planning to do this network for the utilities needs and what we now would view as smart grid or grid right. modernization. I don't know if that's what it was called in the 90s, <laughs> but that's what they were thinking, which was really very cutting edge. Um, and as they were doing it, the city was struggling with the cable providers and the the monopoly or duopoly, as the case may have been, might have been a monopoly turned duopoly, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe the way it worked is the council mayor, mayor at the time said, hey, could you do cable service over that? And they're like, yeah, I think we could. So it was kind of an afterthought, which is really fascinating when you think about fast forward to today and that brand loyalty. Yeah. And what really people associate with the service of Click, they don't think about Click from being the primary connection for the utility. They think about it from the cable perspective, right. which was it just shows that we met the need at the time. Um so so fast forward to, you know, It's like, this is the point where I remember that I'm only here, I've only been here for eight months. This is probably one of the topics that I've spent the most time in the eight months. I mean, there's a pretty diverse workload at TPU. Mm -hmm. There's so much history on this issue. Um, I joke with folks that I feel like I've landed in the ninth season of a 10 season TV series. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out what has happened. And, you know, we're going into the 10th series and, or season and, you know, where are we going? Um, Trying
0: to think of I'm like trying to think of a character in Game of Thrones or something that. Popped in in like one of the last seasons, and I'm coming up short. But yes, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a good analogy. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, so with that, you know, I always try to caution folks that my history may not be exactly on point with what folks know. And Mm -hmm. it's again just when you think about me being here eight months and nine years of conversation alone around the sustainable path forward for Click, Mm -hmm. that's less than a month per every year that I, I mean, I have that amount of time to digest. You know, so I've really focused on not trying to recreate every conversation and every argument, recognizing that, you know, there are concerns in the public. There's concerns about the perception of kind of how we got to this point. And what I like to think about it is, you know, from kind of a non-emotional state, it's there's been a lot of change in the cable industry. There's been a lot of change in the Internet industry in the 20 years since we built the network. Mm -hmm. Um, If we had it to do over again, if I could go back in time ten years ago I would have engaged the com- the public in a broader conversation about the strategic plan and strategic path forward for click I don't think that's how it was approached right. and that would be the- that's the one thing that I think we were missing is um, you know the staff had been so deeply engaged in this issue that to them the path forward was obvious the solutions kind of were obvious and it- there just had not been a broad conversation to make The solution. We're going to take a break in just a second. But to make the
0: the solution to them was to
1: go all in or just fix the finances. It was that we needed a different. We needed to modify the the model, the business model, because it was losing money. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to, when I hear from the board members, when they all presented, um, as we have had recent votes, no matter how long they had been on the board, um, every single one of them. You know, says I've been I've been involved in this community or this conversation on click for nine years. If they were on the board for mm-hmm. nine years, for eight years if they were on the board for eight years, for four years if they were on board. For... So the board has been dealing with this since you know the beginning of time. It's just that we um, we need to involve the public more in what the problems were and, and have a little more transparency. Earlier on, yeah, right. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and what I like to tell folks is. Um, you know, we should be proud of that network. It is a fantastic network. It will be a fantastic network mm. moving forward, because our policymakers will not allow it to be anything but that. There are a lot of different business models that you can do. Um, we we looked at public private partnerships. We had partnerships in Idaho. We have a, we have public private partnerships today. Currently, yeah. Anybody who's ever received internet service over the Click network has done through done so through private net, private partnerships. Right. So what we're really contemplating is getting the city out of the cable TV business, which, by the way, you don't have to go very far to find people that are cutting the cords and streamla- streaming and downloading on the internet. Me. Right, mm-hmm. me too, you know, yeah. like nine years no. ago. <laughs> so, so we have to have a conversation. The technology's changing, how consumers receive that service is changing. So we have to think about the mm-hmm. path forward. And, and we absolutely are committed to a sustainable path forward for our publicly owned network. That's a perfect place to take a break. All right, we'll be right back.
0: Channel 253 is brought to you by Alaska Airlines. They're my airline of choice. When I need to book a flight, I don't mess with the travel sites anymore. I go straight to Alaska Air and book direct. It's not even a question for me. When I'm on board, the flight attendants are courteous and the service is efficient. That's really important to me. Also, they've got a killer cheese plate. Seriously, get the fruit and cheese plate next time you fly. And they have Northwest craft beers. I feel like a human when I fly Alaska. I'm a customer, not a commodity. Alaska is such a good airline and has such good service, I forgive them for sponsoring the Timbers, my rival. And if I'm willing to do that, you know Alaska must be good. I'm Nate Bowling,
1: Alaska Airlines MVP, and I fly Alaska.
0: All right, we're back. Uh, So, dear listener, if you value (laughs) this conversation and others like it on the Channel 253 network of podcasts, I implore you, nay, beg you please become a member go to channel253.com and you can become a member for $4 a month or $40 a year $4 a month is like uh like two big Macs maybe at at McDonald's but that's about it and we would really appreciate your membership amen membership sounds healthier than the McDonald's big mac <laughs> <laughs> So much better and lasts a lot longer, too, because we have like lots of podcasts and I can eat a Big Mac in like two seconds. <laughs> um, so back to Qlik, uh, I wanted to kind of for the uninitiated talk about what's been going on with the Click network. Mm-hmm. Um, so the city council, Tacoma City Council voted, I think, last week to pursue a public-private partnership with Rainier Connect, mm-hmm. which is currently one of the ISPs on the Click network. And I think it was a 20 year lease with a 20 year option to renew? 20 year with two 10 years. With two 10, two ten, year ten years.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And so, but negotiations are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, the city and Rainier Connect have to talk and hash out what that'll look like. Right. Um, so it's not a totally done deal yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is basically, as you said, getting the city out of the cable TV business. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. You know, for 20 years, the city's had the public private partnerships with the internet service providers. That includes Advanced Stream, NetVenture, who's no longer on the network, mm-hmm. um, and Rainier Connect, among others. And that was to sell internet service to retail customers using the excess capacity on the network. The city's electric utility operates the network, sells cable television service over the network using that excess capacity as well. With the adoption of the resolution, the, the board who adopted it right. the week before, and the city council support taking a step towards enhancing our existing public 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 private partnership. <laughs> <laughs> that, the only thing harder to say than that is a, the Cushman Fish Passage. And I really <laughs> have to think about that one when I say that. So it's a very specific example. Exactly. <laughs> I've, I've t- stumbled on a few times. But um, so again, enhancing the existing public private partnership with one of our local internet service providers to bet, best fit the present time in the rapidly evolving um, industry. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the challenges for um, Municipal telecommunication networks, in particular in the cable space, is our ability to be nimble enough to react to the changing environment. The landscape is changing dramatically, the technology is changing dramatically. We are a bureaucratic-natured system, right? Mm -hmm. So the decisions are meant to be slow. It's the Mm sausage-making, maybe not exactly the best conducive model to being able to be responding and stepping up to the challenges of our competitors and so um, that's kind of an area that makes me pause a bit. Um, When I landed in the ninth season of the (laughs) 10 season series as talked about before I had arrived here and the city council had already voted in January to remove the all-in. Right. Because of pursuit. the pending lawsuit. Yep. Mm-hmm. The lawsuit had already been um, issued by Tacoma Power customers basically saying, we don't want you to subsidize Click anymore with our electric rates. Ooh, subsidize? You used that word. Oh, I know. And <laughs> so the, there's the other challenge with landing in a new place. I know, I know. There's, there's <laughs> I used it a couple words. times at the News
0: Tribune and people screamed at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry.
1: There's probably a more artful way to say it, um, but for the sake not of as just time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 and they, of course, were successful in Superior Court. Right, Um, the court agreed with the Tacoma power ratepayers. So the city is appealing that decision, which means that we have the fate of Click in the court's hands. Mm -hmm. Which I actually don't think is in the best interest of Click. Um, There are other models. So, and and when I when I've done the review of the work, first of all, if I could just pause for a minute and just you know give my app. Utmost respect and admiration to the Click employees who have yes. lived this turmoil for right. nine years and they show up and give 110% every day. Mm-hmm. They're positive, they're optimistic, they do, you know, they're committed to whatever solution they want to proceed. Those guys deliver. They are, they are so inspiring. And I don't know how they've continued to work in this environment with this constant turmoil. Right. Um, so it's kind of like working on a daily newspaper. <laughs> I can see I'm drawn on some emotion there. Um, when, I, when I reviewed all the different models they looked at, I mean, I, I, I view it as like a no stone unturned. Sure, there's probably iterations of things, um, but the council and the board have been very thoughtful and very thorough in their review. Now, when I arrived, there was a resolution passed by both the board and council basically um, – removing the all-in, mm-hmm. you know stepping away from the all-in and directing the public-private partnership pursuit with an RFIQ process and the consultant that we're working with today. Mm-hmm. So the policymakers had spoken at that point. Um, the my understanding and you know I have to I have to caveat it because I wasn't here, was the call for the audit was tied to the pursuit of the all-in.
0: The initial audit yeah. that the city council ordered in 2016. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when they
1: rescinded the all-in, right. So was the, moot the, the to pursue kind of the out. audit. Now, now I do feel it's very important to stress this. Tacoma Public Utilities has their finances, finances audited annually mm-hmm. by both an independent auditor and the state auditor's office. That is required by a number of our power sales contracts in order for us to be, you know, a good counterparty to right. power transactions. We have to follow government accounting standards, we have to follow GAAP, we have to follow all of these rules. So so I, I think it's really important that people understand that it's not like our books are never audited. They right. are audited annually. But it's, that doesn't
0: necessarily address the allocation. Right. It, it, right. Right. The and cost so,
1: sharing between Tacoma Power and Click. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And and so my understanding is once they um, stepped away from all in, it was moot and we had the lawsuit. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's risk to to. Moving numbers around in the middle of a lawsuit, you yeah. could invite additional lawsuit. You could give them more evidence. You could, so it's just it's kind of it was a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, our business has changed so much since that allocation conversation happened. Um, we've had substantial cuts in our our budget um, because of the lawsuit. We essentially were directed to bring forward for this current biennium, so the nineteen twenty biennium, a fully balanced budget for mm-hmm. click. And so we okay. did substantial cuts to the business, um, substantial cuts to any investment in capital. So we're not investing in okay. the system.
0: And a, uh increase, a uh, rate
1: increase. A rate increase mm-hmm. that's two-tiered. So we implemented the first tier in 2019. And I am going to look at We don't at have the to numbers. go into specifics on yeah. that. I'm,
0: yeah, I, I think I remember it pretty well. And then we
1: have the second phase of it is planned in 2020. And it's okay. actually an even more substantial increase and will put us out of the market in the cable in some of the cable areas.
0: So, oh, because it'll drive clicks cost up to the point that it'll be more affordable to have Comcast for cable or, or somebody else like, or yeah. somebody else. So, right. so essentially, what we tried to that. do
1: is, um, we were directed to bring a balanced budget forward. We were directed to view it as a transitional budget, meaning we're in the middle of this pursuit of a pu- public private partnership. F- things hopefully will get clearer by the end of 2019, so try to phase in the increase so you Mm -hmm. understand that you're kind of putting more of that increase in the back end of the biennium. Hoping that someone else is taking up those costs. (laughs) And reducing as much as you can on the cost phase as you're doing that transition. And so, you know, if we stay on the path that we are now, um, I think that we are going to be able to make that transition peacefully um, and not have any disruption. The hope is to not have to trigger that second increase, right. and absent that, we will not have a balanced budget, and we will have to offset with some additional revenues. And if I could just pause and mm-hmm. talk about that momentarily, I mean, when you think about where are the revenues coming from, of course, if you if you are going to run it like an enterprise, you are going to fund it fully with its own revenues. Mm-hmm. So there would be no revenues. Coming coming, right now within within reason, you know Tacoma Power would pay for the elements that are related to their functions, and as I've read the independent review of the allocation that Moss Adams did, as did City Finance, as did a team of there was another entity, and then a team of Mayor Council Committee members did this. Review all before I got here mm-hmm. of the allocations, and they all determined that they were reasonable.
0: Okay, so, so the ninety-four percent to click, six percent to come up, and that
1: and that was only on certain functions. So right. if you go if you go to the to the system side of it, it was one thing. But when you're talking about the cable boxes, that was a hundred percent click. There's mm-hmm. no connection right. to power. So there were there were a series of tiers in that allocation methodology. Even today, it would probably be different because we've had a number of gateway meters fail. Mm-hmm. So we've been removing those and not replacing them while we're getting ready to mm-hmm. look at the next generation of the meters. Yeah. And so the, the numbers are changing in terms of how Tacoma Power is using it even today. So so I think it's important to, the, to recognize that, if nothing else, the technology is changing. Mm-hmm. And the business model hadn't really. I mean, mm-hmm. think about what the initial pursuit was. Where did we pivot? to pay attention to what industry was doing and market share.
0: Right. So the question on everyone's (laughs) mind that I have to ask you is Click losing money.
1: Well, they're not this year because we balanced the budget, but that also anticipates a substantial increase in 2020. A substantial rate increase? A substantial rate increase. And it has been dramatic costs costs that we've cut and specifically related to investment in the network. So Mm -hmm. we're not... We're just keeping the business running. Yeah, keeping the lights on. Yeah, we're not doing anything, (laughs) investing in, you know, upgrading the network. And so it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's it's absolutely not sustainable. Now, what I will say, in addition to the resolution that they passed, I think it was January 2018 – stepping away from the all in and pursuing the public private partnership both the city council and the board agreed on the 12 policy goals right it was like they took a step back for a minute and said okay you know all model bias aside what is it we're trying to accomplish yeah. and they articulated 12 policy goals that really became the the driving force in the negotiations and the RFIQ process. And Joanne Hovis, who is fantastic with CTC, um, has has done a fantastic job of really honing in on those in the conversation. Mm. When they issued the RFIQ, they had five respondents. Um, Two of those are current providers on the network. Three of those, including the two providers on the network, initially did not meet the policy goal objectives. Mm -hmm. So they were invited to reconsider and re- Make some adjustments to their proposals and resubmit. One of those did make the adjustments and met the policy goals, and is today the one who's recommended for the enhanced partnership. Rainier Connect. The other one did not make right. an adjustment, so they they proceeded um, with con- with the conversation with three. Ultimately, came down with two term sheets, um, and they were both strong in the policy goals. The uh, city council and board um, felt like Rainier Connect's proposal was stronger in some key areas. Um, The proposal ensures that Tacoma residents will retain ownership. So I got to stress that. We're not selling it. Tacoma Power still uses the network and will still use the network. Um, INET will still be on the network. Mm -hmm. They have their own fiber that was not even contemplated as part of the partnership. It's all within the same sheath, the same housing of all the fiber pieces. So they're still going to continue to operate. So there's absolutely going to be public ownership and public use still of the network. Um, it in- the, the contract or the policy um, – the term sheets, not the policy goals, the term sheets from Rainier Connect include landmark commitments to net neutrality,
0: right.
1: uh, customer privacy, low-income affordability, and non-transfer to an entity with substantial market share. Rainier Connect's terms, say anybody who has more than 25% of market share, which is pretty much the incumbents that we have currently right. in the area, cannot acquire – And if somebody were to acquire this company that's 108 years old and Mm -hmm. has, you know, evolved through many telecommunication changes, um, the city has the right to refuse if they don't meet the policy goals. And we have the right to review and confirm Mm -hmm. that the policy goals are still being adopted.
0: And Wave Broadband, which is the other one that was... um that the term sheet was being reviewed as a finalist. Did they not agree to that?
1: It was thirty percent, so okay. theirs wasn't as strong. I would right. say thirty. It might have been thirty-five. So don't quote me on that and number. And They were but
0: returning less to the city. They in terms were of revenue. Yep. yep. And
1: yeah. so, and I think that is also another important element when you think about um, a- equity and digital equity in particular. Uh, the term sheet that Rainier Connect is proposing is to do a b- ubiquitous upgrade, all to gig bit speeds right. um within the first three years mm-hmm. so no matter where you live you will have access to the same speeds and it's not going to be limited to new development What we're putting fiber in mm-hmm. whether wherever you live you know right in the community you will have access to the same speeds cool. yeah it is and it's an important um policy goals of course to for the policy bodies is to have that equitable access
0: right right okay um we should move on from Click because I promised you we wouldn't talk All that in eight, months, know, right? in eight months, I know, in eight months. <laughs> you definitely have a down pat. Uh, thank you for yeah, talking about that at length. I appreciate it. Um, so I know this one is a fun one for you. Let's talk about, uh, you've had experience with AMI, automated uh-huh. metering I infrastructure, have. and you're bringing that to Tacoma. Mm-hmm. It's been contemplated for Tacoma Public Utilities for a while. What's going on with that? What does it mean? Right. So
1: the... Um Tacoma Public Utilities has looked at this, I think, three different times. Mm-hmm. This is the third. I don't think it's the fourth. Um, and really what's changed is market share So and costs. So the technology is mature. We are actually not on the leading edge on this. We are, we are lagging. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think of the bell curve, we're at the end of the bell curve. Okay. There are 75 million advanced meters deployed in the country. Um, so what is driving that technology change? Well, it's many things, in particular in the electric industry and a little bit more now in the water industry. It's customer demands. You know, when you think about how we are really as consumers we're driven by how quickly we get responsiveness from, you know, Google, Amazon. It's everything electronic. You have Fitbits that tell you your health. You know, it's instantaneous data that drives your decisions mm-hmm. and allows you to be a smarter consumer. So it's customer expectations. It's also um, our desire to have a more robust grid um, and a more robust infrastructure to be able to detect outages and leaks more quickly, respond to them more quickly. Um, I like I liken it to you know whether you're flying a plane with um, the controls or in a blackout. Right? Ah. So you either know kind of what's going on with your system and where the what the health of it is, or you don't. Right. And that right now we don't. We just get a snapshot when we go read a meter. We don't get that system analytics for the consumer and
0: the utility, right? Because mm-hmm. can you or consumers will be able to see their. Electric use,
1: full, like real time. Yeah, if they consumers can get to choose to the degree of service, and that will be um, another piece that the services that are enabled from advanced meters is you know in, it's like another level of customer service and customer engagement. We move from just waiting for you to call to complain okay. about the cost of your bill or your power's out to really being able to work with you on customizing your service? Do you want to pick the day that your your bill is read and, or your meter's read and your bill is generated? That's an important thing for customers in particular, large commercial customers. Do you want to be able to do more distributed generation? Do you want to be able to um, have us be notified more quickly of certain elements on commercial businesses uh, when you have like a three-phase motor or a pump and you lose a phase of the electric service, the meter will actually notify us, hey, I dropped a phase, and we can roll a truck to work on the meter before the customer probably has even figured it out. They might be trying to figure out what is wrong with my dishwasher, what is wrong with my pump, Mm. and the meter will actually say, hey, I'm having a problem, um, which is not the types of uh, analytics that we have today. So so we've mapped out a, a roadmap, a digital roadmap for um, both this initial, what I call foundational investment for enhancing our customer service and building our resiliency on the network. Um, f- from that, there will be a series of, you know, services that we will contemplate with customers. There will be some market analysis and some feedback from customers of what they think the priorities for the next steps are. So we're really talking about a digital transformation that's going to, you know, take at least five five years or so to get Mm. underway. Um, The meters themselves were, we just completed our first year of heavy analysis and review. Um, 2019 is all about the back end of the networks and the systems and how they integrate. And we call it the sandbox, building it in the sandbox so we can test Mm. how it moves. Um, but, But we have the benefit of you know, being in the lower quartile of deployment for this. So we we can learn from other lesson, other mm. communities for their lessons learned. We're not on the bleeding edge of the technology. So the sandbox should be pretty smooth sailing. Right. And then we'll start deploying meters next year.
0: Cool. What is this? What is the project like AMI,
1: AMI cost? So the – oh, gosh, I should have brought that number with me. That's <laughs> okay. Um, because it is both water and power. Mm. I want to say the meters – just the meters were in the thirty-three million dollar mm-hmm. range for right. that's for all one hundred seventy-five thousand electric meters right. and one hundred thousand water meters um, in our network. So, mm. right and and you know th- when you think about our meters are twenty to fifty years old depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. The gateway meters that were deployed as part of the Click network were an early iteration of AMI. Right, and it is an example of how the technology changed. Those were coax, mm-hmm. you know the. Cable coax mm-hmm. communicative. That's not where the technology went ultimately. So um, that's the risk of bleeding edge. Yeah. <laughs> we're not on the bleeding edge anymore. But twenty to fifty years. Think about how much technology in your own home has changed in twenty to fifty years. Mm-hmm. And we we think about different industries as either they're digital natives like Netflix. Right. You know they were built and 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 Amazon. They live. They've grown up, they built in the mm-hmm. digital world. And so they're they are the ones who are really transforming customer experience. Then you have the digital adopters. That's where healthcare and banking are, right? They're big industries that, you know, were slower to evolve, mm-hmm. but they have been evolving. We would like to think the electric industry is in that space, although maybe they were a little bit of a holdout initially, you know, right. when you think about the industry's ability to change, definitely you're seeing momentum on change now. And then you have kind of the digital deniers, blockbuster. <laughs> kodak
0: they're not there anymore
1: right (laughs) and that was because they kind of you know didn't take seriously Mm -hmm. the customers demand for change and um the impact that was going to have you know with technology deployment and so we really are thinking about it in in those types of terms
0: right speaking of um technology and moving forward and listening to customers um what what's going on with electric vehicles in oh, TPU? Yeah, yeah,
1: fantastic. I love the electric vehicle initiatives that we have. Of course, we had those. the um, ribbon cutting at LeMay to have the first fast charger on I-5. So we were so excited about when that. When was that? Um missed this. <laughs> it was in, I think was it, it was in August. Was it Labor Day? Oh, cool. I think it was maybe Labor Day weekend. Governor Inslee was here to, to cut oh, the I ribbon. Oh, I do remember saying that yeah. on, the, on the TNT. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier with our clean carbon, our carbon-free portfolio, very clean energy, it's a natural for us to think about deep decarbonization. And, um, you know, you can get incremental for us on electric, but it's really not where you're going to have the biggest impact. The impact is these carbon, you know, centered businesses. And there's there's interest in this community for electric vehicles and for expanding the use of our clean energy for for that function. So we have partnered with the city of Tacoma on providing a bunch of workshops for folks and with the um, dealers in town to promote electric vehicles, help them understand, to start to um, pursue charging infrastructure. Cool. This last legislative session, we uh, saw a movement of, for an electric vehicle bill um, sponsored by Representative Jake Fye, who it's now in the Senate. Um, it's the first I think it's been they've attempted for two or three years prior to this to get that passed. That would allow public power entities like Tacoma Power to offer rebates for charging infrastructure, much like the investor-owned utilities can. So it puts us on parity with that. So we're looking forward to being able to map out um, additional suite of services in the electric vehicle to really try to promote uh, adoption of electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. We're offering um, some incentives right now. If you will let us know that you have an electric vehicle and allow us to get some data with you, you get some money for that that rebate. Mm -hmm. So there's some things that we're doing and that we look forward to doing, but this is definitely a space that we're going to stay involved with.
0: Good. And it sounds like it's one of the it's so far i'm hearing you correctly you're i mean tbu is doing everything it can on the electricity side of things it's very clean mm-hmm. especially compared to other utilities mm-hmm. this is a place where tacoma can actually make a big difference in its carbon footprint
1: yeah and and from from my perspective again landing in tacoma and seeing you know the really rich industrial background that we have in this rich industrial fabric and the pressures that are on certain businesses and in, in industries to kind of, you know, become more environmentally friendly. I just always tell them we're we're a resource for you. Yeah. I mean, we have 140% clean energy. Tell us what you need. You know, <laughs> let us be a partner with you. Let us help you meet those goals and objectives. And I'm, I'm really very optimistic about the impact that we can have in that space.
0: That's great. Um, okay. So talked about electric vehicles, talked about AMI, talked about Click.
1: Whew, I feel like Whew. Eight Whew. months. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Stretch, take a deep breath. I don't know <laughs> what I've been doing the last eight months. <laughs> um, so,
0: so another thing I wanted to talk to you about is you are the first female director yes. appointed to direct Tacoma Public Utilities. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we've heard a little bit about in the news lately and that I heard grumblings about as a reporter was a bro culture at the utility. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Communications Director, former communications director now, I think Chris Gleason uh, filed a lawsuit. She felt she was treated unfairly as a woman and wasn't given opportunities to advance, perhaps like her male counterparts were. Mm-hmm. Do you see that do you see that as an issue at TPU and if that's a culture there, what are you doing to change it?
1: Mm-hmm. I think this is a question that is obviously near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. as somebody who spent twenty six years in well i'll say in a civil engineering role sort of right <laughs> yeah. evolved um 19 in public utilities i i've been spent my professional life in male dominated industries and um i've seen a lot of evolution in the industries i happen to come from a position today where i have more awareness about i think you know, in my early career years, I just had nose to the grind, just work, prove myself, you know, don't get caught up in whatever was going on to, you know, all of a sudden realizing, hey, wait, where are all the women? Oh, yeah, I'm a woman. Right. To now I'm at a, in a point in my career where I can have an, a significant impact on policies and procedures and culture. And so I'm really feeling empowered about the opportunity to make a difference in this space. Um, I'm committed to a, a work culture that Values everyone, is equitable, has an inclusive, you know, approach, encourages diversity. And when I talk about equity and diversity, I mean every type, you know, whether it's gender, race, orientation. um, I even think cultural or uh, hierarchically, right? So TPU has been always a very hierarchical organization from what I could tell, meaning – Oh, when I first got there and everybody called me Director Flowers, I'm like, just Jackie. So that's the joke. Now they <laughs> oh, call wow. me just Jackie. They're like, hey, just Jackie. <laughs> so it's it's kind of sticking. I don't know. I might have to hashtag just Jackie. Yeah. Um, but it's like in Will and Grace, just Jack, except just Jackie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, you know, I want to have those diverse opinions and those diverse thoughts. Um, I bring my own experience to my lens that doesn't mean it's the right experience. And that doesn't mean that it really gets the view from multiple viewpoints. So I think we make better decisions when we have more diversity, when we have more inclusivity, when we have more equity. Um, and I'm very committed to continuing to pursue policies that encourage that. Um, and you know, frankly, so is the city. We've got a female mayor, mm-hmm. a female city manager, mm-hmm. and a female utility director. And so we are all completely committed to Um, fostering cultures that really value equity, inclusion, and diversity up front. Um, A couple things that we've got going on. Um, when I first got here, I met with Diane Powers from yeah. the Office of Equity and Human Rights, and she had been trying to get the door open at TPU. Um, Linda McRae, the interim director, did open that door and they started making progress. And so I think it was within my second week we had a meeting and she's just like, this is what we want to do. We want to bring the OEHR um, equity training and a satellite office to TPU, and this is what we need for a budget. And I'm like, let's do it. Great. So we've stood up that office. We've hired the um, the lead for the satellite office. She has built this very diverse committee of folks across TPU that is kind of becoming the advisory board for how we're going to roll out equity initiatives mm-hmm. and really applying that lens to both internal and external, as I mentioned earlier, Um Services, programs, processes, looking for, you know, do you have an implicit bias that you don't know about? Is it within the process that you don't know about? And just really trying to um, raise the bar in Mm -hmm. in that space. And and I'm excited about the resources that we have and the opportunity to really make a, a difference.
0: Good. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it has to start with you know having the first female director. It seems like a, a good place to start, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And it's it's interesting. They had an off- author that they brought in recently, and I'm going to get her name wrong. Yojima. I-
0: yeah, I yeah I know who you're talking I can about. Never
1: pronounce her name. I stumble. She I'm going to stumble over that too. <laughs> was amazing, mm-hmm. and you know it was. You want to? I think her title was. You want to talk about race? Yes, and yeah. um, really opened my eyes. Of course, you know I came from Wyoming and Idaho, not the most diverse areas. That is one of the elements that I absolutely think is a treasure for Tacoma. We have so much diversity. Yes. And it really is. We are a stronger community when we pull from that diversity. Absolutely. And so like every day is like Christmas for me because it's like <laughs> I get to interface with, you know, folks with so many um, diverse opinions and perspectives and backgrounds and just it's fantastic. Um she really opened my eyes to the importance of how you have those conversations or don't. You know, I mean, that's the whole point. If you want to talk about race, I don't want to talk about race. Right. Mm-hmm. So what what really clicked for me is I'm in a position where I can make sure the policies make sense and right. that they are equitable and that they do promote inclusion and that they, you know, do encourage diversity. And that's where my power is. And so for me, it was like, I got it. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Let's just fix it. Right. Cool. Good. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so we
0: have some questions from listeners okay. uh, who were excited that you were coming on the pod. Um, are there currently plans to expand the community solar program? Hi. The of
1: that? Yeah, that's an interesting one. The, um Mm, that sold out so fast. of course again, that was before my time mm-hmm. um, been a great program. We've got the evergreen options. so
0: can you, yeah can you like tell us a little bit about what it is? Yeah,
1: high level. so um, customers can if they want to offset the tiny bit of carbon that may be in it's kind of trace carbon, right? So when we do scheduling this I'm going to try not to get too techy wonky right. here, but um, our resources and our generation d- does not always hundred percent match when our demands move so we may Can have for solar panels um for just general oh, okay for um so so Bonneville in particular shapes their resources right. and we have a Bonneville contract sometimes they may buy from market and there may be a trace carbon piece in the portfolio. So customers that want to offset that tiny bit can um, sign up for the evergreen options for a small amount of money on their bill. They can ensure that they don't get any carbon in their footprint. And more importantly, that money goes into a grant program that then is being used to deploy solar panels in a variety of community areas. We just put solar panels at the at the uh, Point Defiance Park at the zoo. Um, we actually just awarded a grant to the housing authority for The youth and young adult homeless shelter at Arlington Drive. So they're going to be putting solar panels in there. So that money is not only you know ensuring you have a clean, 100% clean, um, guaranteed uh, footprint, but it's also a contribution to continued solar advancement in the area. Um, We we don't have necessarily a formal thought on expanding community solar only because we're surplus power now. Mm -hmm. So you know. If we're going to put more power in, we're going to offset more power or have more to sell to market. And market's been a little depressed Um in terms of values lately. Mm-hmm. So so we're just monitoring that and trying to be um, creative with other ways to get customers involved, like the Evergreen program.
0: Right. Right. Okay. I didn't even know about the Evergreen program. Yeah. I think yeah, I would yeah. encourage
1: folks to, to look into that. It's a it's an exciting opportunity, and it's really making a difference in the community with some of these grants.
0: Yeah. So that kind of piggybacks nicely on the next question. Uh, what's TPU doing other than that to ensure Tacoma's utilities are as green and sustainable as possible? Yeah. I mean, you kind of already talked about right. that. You have 140% clean energy. Right.
1: And the legacy investment. I mean, Tacoma is in such a good spot. You know, we we were more than a century ago, investing in clean energy here. Good job, Tacoma. <laughs> way before a lot of, you know, other people even had this on their radar. So um, we're working hard now to look at other things like, you know, what are we doing to convert our fleet at TPU to electric vehicles? Um, what are we doing to uh, lower emissions in other areas? Rail has done a um, an idling reduction um, program that's made a significant difference there. So it's really kind of all hands on deck. We have a number of environmental initiatives that we're acting pursuing, um, some of those directly related to carbon emissions, some of them related to our commitment for um, enhancing fish passage and other, mm-hmm. other areas like that. So we've got a very active um, suite of, of programs in, in the environmental space. Cool.
0: And um, so something that comes up a lot, especially in the winter. Utilities are really expensive. Um, you know, that $480 bill every two months for an 800-square-foot house can feel mm-hmm. like a lot, especially for some families. Uh, What low-income assistance programs does TPU have, and what is the utility trying to do to get higher utilization of those programs? Yeah,
1: it's a really important question, especially right now with the housing pressures that we're having and the Alice population and, you know. Can you explain? um, Asset-limited, income-constrained, and employed, so kind of the, they call them the working poor. It's Mm -hmm. your service industry that really are struggling. They have limited disposable income, and the utility makes a difference. It, a utility bill can be the difference between staying in a home and not staying in a right. home <clears throat> and we're we are becoming more aware of this situation and what role we can play both good and bad in it and in fact um we're going to be doing a poverty simulator with TPU leadership um, mid-level managers and rate setters um, before we go into the next budget and rate cycle, so that we can really get a strong understanding of you know what this is like for our customers. Is that
0: like playing out a scenario? Like I'm a you know a single mom who makes sixteen dollars an hour, and this is what happens if my mm-hmm. kind if of I have to kind of month. gives
1: a series of scenarios that um, basically you know real life variables that could you could. See, change somebody from right. I'm fully employed functioning to I'm out on the street, you know, and I can't pay my bills. Right. Um, so, yeah. It happens abroad, fast. It does. Yeah. And especially when you have the kind of housing pressures you do here. So, but I diverted, sorry. <laughs> um, so, we've got uh, a number of programs that we have offered. Historically, we've got a senior discount program um, that is actually just a flat discount. And then we have what's called the BCAP bill. Credit Assistance Program. <laughs> I think that's what the acronym stands for. There are so many acronyms. Um, the BCAP program is kind of a rewards incentive. So if you go through certain steps, then you get credits towards your bill. One of the first big steps is working with our community partners, Goodwill, others that offer um, financial assistance classes that help folks understand what their situation is, what where the risks are, and exposure, and really just kind of help them have a stronger awareness. Instantly get a big credit on your bill. Nice. And then each month that you pay your bill on time, you get a credit the next month. So over the course of a year, somebody can qualify for – I'm not going to remember the exact number. Um, it's in the range of like $430 a year credit okay. on their bill, which is substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about – performance-based. So Mm -hmm. you do things and you get credits and then, you know, it helps to keep that bill low month after month. We have not had as strong of a participation there. Um, I just don't think the awareness is quite where it needs to be. Uh, we We have increased our staff in that section and increased our resources and they have... 110% 110% of support from right here, from the highest level, um, on getting the message out, working with our community partners, United Way, Sound Outreach, mm. I shouldn't name them because I'm going to get in trouble, Habitat for Humanity, <laughs> um, <laughs> Goodwill. <laughs> so I'm going to stop there and I'm going to apologize for anybody that I missed. At al. <laughs> yeah, so that they are, um, so they know what our resources are. Mm. They work with the customers and have a good relationship with them. They know what their data says. If they can identify folks that are probably going to qualify and pick up the phone and say, hey, I think you qualify for assistance on your, on your bill. Let's make sure our data is right. They can be the gateway for us to the customers to tr- really try to get them the assistance yeah. that, that is there for them while they're while struggling. While they're seeking
0: other resources. Yep. Yeah. So we're just trying, to be,
1: yeah, we're trying mm-hmm. to be smarter and more thoughtful about our connections in the community and how to leverage those to help the people
0: good and people can also i think a lot of people don't know this you can also can you still get your bill like spread out over the whole year so that you're paying a more consistent amount
1: every two months you can Mm -hmm. you can and one of the features of our advanced meters that um, will be available that they piloted with the gateway meters um, and i think we maybe have a couple hundred customers that still are signed up for the prepay Mm -hmm. and the the prepay in particular for income constrained customers um, those couple hundred customers have said, please change our meter first because if our meter fails and we can't have the service anymore, we cannot function. Mm. It really allows them to carefully manage that bill. And you know, maybe you go into the weekend and you know about how much you're spending a day in your electricity and you know you're going to get paid on Monday. And you think about at the current use rate, you won't make it. So I might not do laundry this weekend, or maybe I won't, you know take as hot of a shower you know they can make decisions to help stretch that um what's available for electricity through the weekend and we are hearing in fact we're going to be working with them on some testimonials on the prepay program about how important it is for them and how it's a resource they can't live without and we're committed to continuing to provide that level of service to folks that need it and want to take advantage of it
0: great well uh okay last question favorite place to eat in tacoma so
1: far oh this one i'm gonna fail um (laughs) Because I just don't—I haven't gone out to eat that much, so I'm kind of spoiled. My husband is a hobby chef, oh, so so he loves to cook awful. at home. Yeah, I know <laughs> uh, it really doesn't balance well with somebody who sits at their desk all the time. <laughs> so, um, gosh, if I had to pick the one that I've eaten at, that's like my favorite. I, what's the little little place that's down the street from the municipal building? Um, uh, Saint Helens, that that way in that little like artistic alley kind of feeling. Uh, over the Moon? Thank you. Oh, I haven't been there. I love Over the Moon. That's a fun Dead place. Doug coming in in the
0: clutch. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Whew, thank you.
0: Quality There's... stuff there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah good stuff. Um, favorite place, of course, Point Defiance Park. I love Point Defiance Park. So. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. That's a, it's a fan favorite as well. Right. It's, it's just nice to have something that's such an amazing treasure that close in the community so you can just feel like you're outdoors and disconnected. It's Absolutely. nice. Yeah.
0: Well, Jackie, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, this thank was you. A great conversation. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, Appreciate next time it. we'll do it with
1: beers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll celebrate <laughs> something. There has to be something to celebrate at some point. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank nice you. Nice to meet you. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma today. We are part of the Channel Two Five Three Network, where you can also find these podcasts: Move to Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Crossing Division. Flounders B Team and Taco Man If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic please email me at candace.ruud at gmail.com That's Candace with an I dot ruud at gmail.com The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candace Rood and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com.
1: This is channel 253.